everyone, welcome back to the Proverbs 31 Ministries podcast, where we share biblical truth for any girl in any season. I'm your host, Kaylee Olson, and I'm here with my friend and co-host, Meredith Brock. Well, we are back with the second installment of our Therapy and Theology, How Do I Get Through This podcast series. And if you joined us last week, man, that was a lot of information and deep conversation. But I know it's already been so helpful in giving me a new perspective on how therapy and theology actually work hand in hand. Yep. And if this is your first time joining us, let us catch you up to speed. We're taking a break in our regularly scheduled programming, which is airing two episodes per month to do a special six-week series on this topic. Today, you're going to hear Lisa Turkhurst, Joel Mutamale, and Jim Kress unpack the topic of forgiveness and the difference between reconciliation and redemption. Wow, that sounds like an amazing subject. I can't wait to hear it. Um, But before we transition into the conversation you're about to hear, we do want to preface with a little warning. This content touches on some really sensitive subjects and may not be suitable for young children. Many of you listen in the car, and if you've got a youngster in the back seat, it might be a good idea to pause right now and listen to this a little Mm -hmm. bit later. Additionally, this content could also serve as a trigger um, for some of you who have gone through similar circumstances Mm -hmm. in your past. So we ask that you use your own discretion in listening, but more importantly, we pray that this content helps you process whatever you might be facing. Here's Lisa. So talking today about continuing our conversation from our last episode, but moving forward, I feel like we identified some of the first steps to move forward. If you missed the first show, I really encourage you to go back and listen to it, but certainly don't hit the pause button today. Keep moving forward (laughs) by listening to this one because today's topic, um, while it does build on the last episode, it has enough contained in it that you won't have to catch up, but yeah. I really don't want you to miss our first episode. So yeah. here we go. Moving forward, continuing that journey, remembering that with therapy and theology, the goal is not to get over the hurts that we're facing or that we have faced, but rather how do we get through them? Mm-hmm. And I think that but how is a big question. It's one thing, you know, it preaches really well for us to say, get through it. But answering the question, how, is crucial. Um, I also love that we talked in the last episode about one thing that people fear in going to counseling or therapy is um, that they're going to have to regurgitate all this stuff. It's emotionally exhausting. And, um, and then what if we uncover some things about our caregivers that are hard or whatever? That's mm-hmm. why I did scrapbooks with my kids. I'm just going to be straight up honest. <laughs> so if I ever get called into a therapist's <laughs> office, I will have pages of proof that I did the very best I could <laughs> as a parent. But um, I say that kind of tongue in cheek because the reality is I have encouraged my kids to go to counseling, and um, I'm a big believer in making sure that they heal both emotionally and spiritually. Uh, But this week, we want to talk about forgiveness. Mm. Um, We like others to forgive us, um, but I'll be so bold as to say I'm all about forgiveness until forgiveness feels unfair. And then there's something inside of me that just can 
externally say, I'll do it because it's the right thing. I am a rule follower. But internally, I can find myself resisting it, um, resisting forgiveness, especially when it feels unfair, um, especially when the other person isn't at the place of repentance. And so then it just kind of feels like, why do I always have to be the bigger person? Right. Or if it feels like it's not going to do any good because I've determined that this is a situation where reconciliation isn't going to happen. So can we just let bygones be bygones and move on? Mm -hmm. And if, you know, anybody needs to do the hard work here, it ain't me because I'm the one that was hurt. (laughs) Right. And so there's so many things that I can find myself being internally resistant to forgiveness. But Jim, you helped me in one of our sessions um, so much Um, And, of course, it was one of the sessions around helping me move forward um, with the really hard stuff in my marriage. Mm -hmm. And part of our story, just in case you're listening today and you don't know my story, um, the past three years have been really, really hard. One of the things that... um, that my family and I, that we've walked through, um, is my husband's infidelity. And, um, he, he actually prayed over us as we started this podcast. Mm-hmm. So I don't want anyone to suddenly gasp and think, does her husband know that she's freely talking about this? Yes. Uh, not only does he know, but he encourages yeah. me because he knows there are a lot of people that are, um, hurting because of marriage issues and relationship trauma. And so, yes, he has given me permission to talk about this. But one of the most profound things, Jim, that you have helped Mm. me realize is there are two parts to forgiveness. The first part is the decision of forgiveness. The second part is the process of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So my decision to forgive is is an event where I make the conscious choice to acknowledge what I've gone through and to forgive for the facts of what happened in the situation. And I remember we walked through this tremendous exercise where you had me take three by five cards and you had me write out all the facts that I could think of on separate cards. And then we laid them down in a line on the floor and um, I would make the decision to forgive, but I would seal that so that it wasn't just my words by Mm -hmm. you gave me a little piece of red felt and I would Mm -hmm. lay the red felt over every decision that I made to forgive. And Mm -hmm. um, it was almost like we were symbolically covering this with the blood of Jesus. So whatever part I wasn't capable of forgiving, I could acknowledge that Jesus' blood has already covered that. Mm -hmm. And it was a beautiful experience we walked through and I made the decision to forgive for the facts. And I felt really good about that. I thought it was wonderful. It was an exercise I recommend for people to do, to have a marked moment for their decision for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. But then here's where it gets complicated. Is I'd made the decision to forgive, but then something would happen, and I would get triggered. Uh, A memory would happen, 
And suddenly I would get anxious and I knew that my anxiety was tied back to events that happened in my marriage that were very hurtful. Right. And then it would cycle around to where I would be angry at art because I wouldn't have this anxiety if this trauma wouldn't have happened. <laughs> and so then all of a sudden it messed me up and mm. I started thinking, maybe I haven't really forgiven him. Right. Yeah. So of course I pick up my phone, dial Jim, make an appointment. <laughs> And go in, sit in his office, tearful, Hmm. you know, just like, what do I do with this? And Jim, you were so helpful. You said, Lisa, you have forgiven Art for the facts of what he did. You know, that that was a marked moment. I was there for it. I was a witness. So I can testify you had Mm -hmm. that moment of forgiveness. But decision, the decision to forgive is the first part. The second part is the process of forgiveness because you also have to learn to forgive for the impact Mm. that those actions had on you. And forgiving for the impact is going to be a much longer process because the impact unfolds in layers of experiences. Mm -hmm. You can't predict it. You can't even hypothesize how that's going to play out in your life. It will catch you off guard. Yeah. And mm. it will happen in the middle of an ordinary day, an ordinary conversation, uh, uh, ordinary event. But all of a sudden, it will kick in and bring up feelings of anxiety, fear, um, even bitterness, which was really hard for me because I thought, well, if I've made the decision to forgive, then that's supposed to free me from bitterness. But now this situation is an impact from what happened. Mm. And so it started to feel very, very hard. But when you Mm. gave me language and I could see, no, I have made progress in this. And the progress was I've made the decision to forgive. Now I have to walk through the process of forgiveness Part two of forgiveness is forgiving for the impact. And if the Lord piled all of that impact on you in one day, it would be too much. Mm -hmm. So the impact has to unfold in layers Mm -hmm. because of the mercy of God. And I have learned to embrace that process. I think in counseling, uh, one of the, the statements that we often say is trust the process. Hard as it may be. Oh, so hard. So Mm. comment on that. And and how did you even know to tell me that? Because that was really profound for me. Um, You know, one of the things I do, this is not a cop out here, is follow the person I'm working with. People think the therapists come in, you know, all loaded up and we know everything you need. That's actually, I think, usually bad therapy. But is follow where you were, try to, um, you know, discern whether you're ready to go. And the concept of fact and impact, many years ago, on my right board in a counseling office, I was with a person I was working with, and I said, you know, we need to look at the facts of our life, and then the impact, facts, this happened to me, impact, what did it do to me? And mm-hmm. I said, that's kind of where most of the counseling work, I think, is done. And then there's a track that we all will take, addictions, a track, or performance, or negative thinking, and so that spells F-I-T, F-I-T, fit. That's where it came up with, so I've used that. I don't force that on people I work with, but I always want to say it's a simple way. If you do nothing else in counseling, go in or with a friend over coffee or a pastor, whoever. Look at the facts, tell your story to somebody, and then ponder what was the impact of it. And you get to go, I think it might have impacted me this way. You don't have to know. Uh It's fine to be in the hypothesis to go, I think this is what it may have done to me, not to my sister, not to somebody else. What did it do to me? And what track have I taken maybe 
to cope with these things. I so, really like that. F-I-T. The fact, the impact, fact. and the track. There's a track mm. always of how I'm going to deal with the impact of what's happening. Or not deal with it. Or not deal with it is exactly right. And that is its own track of just saying, I'm going to avoid, uh, I'm not going to deal with this as Scott Pekka. Or I'm going to numb it. Well, but and the numbing out is, is uh, Scott Peck has a great quote. He says that mental health that we all want, and I believe spiritual health too, is what? It's a commitment to reality at all costs. So if I don't face reality mm. where it is, or as another way old dead um, psychiatrist said years ago, the refusal to embrace legitimate suffering. Mm. Stuff's going to happen. The Bible teaches us that. He said the refusal to embrace legitimate suffering in my life will make me neurotic. Mm. So that part is so important. So how do I know? Following you where you are and realizing, trying to see where you are to go the first day I meet somebody or second or third and say, well, you need to go to forgiveness. I use, that's a topic I often don't even bring up. I wait till the person brings it up. It's so loaded. You're asking me to sign off on what everybody's done, to Mm. pretend it didn't happen or to wave wiffle dust or something going, no. So you were ready to go there and to go, I want to look at this and allow the process to happen. The impact is, uh, we have, you know, both you and, and Joel are theologians, but God seemed to, while there were the sacrificial systems and all those in, in the Old Testament, it, it took a long time before he got to Calvary, Joel. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was something there that I don't see God even rushing to it. It's mm-hmm. like letting things play out. It's, it's a process. Mm-hmm. So as a nine on the Enneagram, you're giving me permission to delay, and this is really good. <laughs> all of my all of my eight friends are like, no, it must be addressed now, you know. And I'm a seven on the Enneagram, so I'm just like, whatever, you know, hey. So um, I'm a three, so if we're going to all share, I'm a three wing two, so there we go. There you go. There you go. So you, That's you another podcast. We'll get to the I'm Enneagram podcast. I'm trying to podcast. figure out how to achieve right now. Yeah, exactly. I'm Joel, like, oh, here's the Enough enough of these words. Now let's just achieve something. So, okay, Joel, your turn. Forgiveness. Fire away. No, I mean, exactly. I think one of the first things is, um, Lisa, we did this as we're we're studying, is to look at the example of the biblical precedent of um, the very first act of forgiveness. Um, And we need to look all the way back to the garden, right? Mm. And before we even start there, we need to start with what I think is um, an important doctrine that maybe is lost. It's called the Mago Dei. and it simply means that we were made in the image of God. And so I just want to read Genesis chapter 1, um, starting in verse 26. It says, Then God said, and we can just, this is some Trinity language, let us, he's talking about the, the Godhead, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Um, I think this is so profound because it, it unpacks that out of all of created things, the only thing that was created to reflect the beauty and the glory of God's image is humanity. Hmm. Yet humanity is um, at fault to sin and to break relationship with God. And so God has a choice, right? What's he going to do? How is he going to react? See, there's impact. 
God had given Adam and Eve a responsibility in the Garden of Eden to, to multiply, to be fruitful, to take care of the garden. And so by their sinning, there's impact not only individually for them, it's relationally between them and God. And it's also environmentally for all of creation because God wanted his glory uh, to be reflected throughout all of the earth. So what does God do? Um, ultimately, the act of forgiveness had a cost, and that cost was the death of an innocent animal, and blood had to be shed, and then there's consequence, they had to be sent out. Um, but all of this points us to the, to like the how do we forgive? Well, first of all, we have to recognize that you and I, through our uh, ancient father, mother, Adam and Eve, we've been forgiven by God first and foremost. Uh, and because we've been forgiven, um, God is calling us to forgive freely. It, it's really interesting in the New Testament Paul uses, he doesn't use the Greek word forgive um, as you would think that he would use it. He actually coins and makes, I'm probably going to get in trouble here, Lise. I don't know if I should say no, this. No, you go right ahead. I love this. So I'm about to grab his pen and take notes. That's what I'm about to do. So, Come back and watch the podcast or listen to it. That's right. I'm going to tune in with you guys. We have these study days, right? And and these study days are phenomenal study days. And I feel like I learned so much about the Turkhurst family. And so we're sitting down here the other day. I am too. Right? And so, the, yeah, the other day we were sitting around and we grabbed some Chick-fil-A, you know, Chick-fil-A is great, it's good food. Um, and Lise, you had talked about, we're reading about an ancient king <laughs> and yeah. he, had a, he had a little real crazy name. And, and then Lise said, oh yeah, like Shackin. Or Shackin. <laughs> and then you said Shackin. Now explain to us what Shackin is. Yeah. Okay, so. I have my, one version of what Shackin no, is. It's no, not it's the not, same it's one. It's not okay. really the same one. All right. So, uh, yeah, so. In growing up in our family, we we had a uh, kind of our own unique verbiage language around certain things. <laughs> right. And so, and I was telling you, oh, that's funny that his name is Rashakin because in my family, that's what we called chicken, shacken, you know? Right. And, and Joel looked at me like, what? And I said, hold on one second. So I dialed my sister up. Literally, true story. And I said, I said, hey, Ange, in our family, what is shacken? And she said, oh, it's chicken. chicken. She knew it right away. Instant. Yeah. <laughs> Instant. So here's what's interesting in the Tribal New Testament. Tribal language. <laughs> you know, I know. Like, How are you going to transition from that to the New Testament? I'm, but I'm really one. Right. That's your job. Do that's, it. Yeah, so Paul, you would think Paul would use the standard words for forgiveness in Greek, but he doesn't. He uses a different Greek word. It's called charizomai, and it actually is rooted in a sense of grace. So what he's doing is recalling the gracious act of God all the way back in the Garden of Eden, that an innocent animal would have to die, the blood would have to be shed, and then he's actually calling you and I to reconciliation or to forgiveness, mm -hmm. to forgive each other, and the scope of our forgiveness has to be rooted in this idea of grace. This is the interesting part. That word is not used anywhere else in the known Greek language. Mm. Like, it's almost like Paul takes, like, a, you know, a, a shakin type of thing, and he creates a concept taking these words and combining them together because there wasn't a phrase to capture the immensity of what's taking place when you forgive within the context of what scripture calls us to forgive and that it's within the scope of grace understanding that because we have been freely forgiven we can now forgive okay and give us that verse reference again because i know later when i listen to the podcast i'm mm -hmm. going to want to take notes and i'm going to be like anxious if you yep, you can look at second corinthians reference. chapter 2 6 through 7 um, you can um, look at ephesians 4 32. You can look at Colossians 1, 14. I mean, this is just consistent. I love Colossians 1, um, 14. Let me, let me read this. 
uh, for you really quick. Uh, in Colossians 1.14, it says, In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And the whole context, verse 13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Okay, mm. so let's break this down. So I'm sitting here today listening to the podcast, and I know that there is some forgiveness work mm. that I need to do. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the very first thing, though, is I have to get over this internal resistance to forgiveness. And uh, so I called you, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, because I've been really studying the whole principle of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I said, Joel, and this is this is how my my sessions, yeah, I've already unpacked a lot of what happens <laughs> in my sessions with Jim. This is how my sessions with Joel go, Joel. Okay, I, I very much realize I know just enough to be dangerous, so rein me in here. Um, but I, I was, I said I was listening to um, a book, an audible book, and um, it was the Sacred Enneagram. And mm-hmm. as I was listening yeah, to it, um, there was this line that the author said, and it really stunned me and he just kind of said it and just went right on right but i thought oh this needs to be unpacked because this principle right here is what could help me get over sometimes that internal resistance to forgiveness and it Mm -hmm. was this um he said something like we think that people are punished because of their sin or people suffer because of their sin but what if it's more like people are also suffering by their sin mm-hmm. or punished by their sin. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he just kind of said it and went on. Yeah. And it stopped me mm-hmm. cold because I thought, okay, when someone sins or when someone offends me, what if that sense of suffering is already built into what they did to me? Not just suffering for me, but suffering for them. Mm. And, and so what I was wrestling through is for me, in order for me to get to the place where I feel like I can authentically forgive, I have to have compassion. That to me is the very first step mm-hmm. of forgiveness. And so because I know I have to have compassion and it's hard to have compassion for someone who's hurt you, I've always said, well, you can assume that person has been hurt in the past, and you may not be able to have compassion on the person. You may not be able to have compassion, certainly for the act that has hurt mm-hmm. you or offended you, mm-hmm. but maybe you could have compassion for the hurt that they have obviously experienced that caused them to act that way to you mm-hmm. where yeah. it caused hurt. But this took it a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. What if their act of hurting me already had consequences built in for them. So I don't ever need to have to work through the justice resistance Mm. and the unfairness resistance that I sometimes feel in forgiveness. What if I can already know? I don't have to see the consequence to know that when they hurt me, the consequence for them was already built in. And so I can have compassion for the consequence that they are suffering um, and it may not be immediate, and I may never That's see right. it, mm-hmm. but right. it is there. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so as we unpack this, and I said, Joel, I think this really is true because I know when I hurt someone else, mm-hmm. I experience a consequence of hurting someone else. Mm-hmm. And so if I have experienced that, then maybe they 
have experienced that. And so if I can have compassion for whatever consequence they're going to suffer now because of the hurt that they have put on me, mm-hmm. that to me is the first step toward being able to forgive and honestly forgiving people before they even offend me or hurt me or do something to me because for me just giving people permission to be human fragile fickle forgetful Mm -hmm. you know just making peace with the fact that that is a reality in this sin-soaked world but for me having compassion for them is the first step to having uh, true forgiveness for them and helps me get over the resistance that all of this seems terribly unfair. I don't have to worry about the fairness. God will take care of the fairness of all of this. But that bucks that bucks against, uh, I mean, listening to you say that, I say, I want to scream, that's not fair. Mm. And, and Isn't really, that kind of wired in all of us? Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. And I think what we're doing is, <clears throat> what we're saying is, I don't trust God. That's really what we're saying. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to control God until I do. Yeah. This is where I love to join you all on this. Oswald Chambers said that when I sin, I have the suspicion that God is not good. Yes. It's not just that clean, like, well, it's like, I have the suspicion that God is not good. And I'm going to tap in real quick to the word compassion, because I love what you just did with that, inspired by the sacred Enneagram. Compassion, if you look at the etymology of the word, very simple. Calm means with. Passion means to suffer. We know the passion of the Christ. So compassion, literally, you got to look at the word, is to suffer with. There's research we have from Dr. Kristen Neff and Brene Brown that I'll only really be able to be compassionate towards someone else to the degree, not perfectly, but to the degree that I have self-compassion. That's why we get into our own story and suffer with with a vision of glory, not Mm -hmm. just suffering for the sake of suffering, Mm -hmm. suffering with our own story. So I like what you did with that, even the word compassion, that I could look and say, you know what? Of course. I think it's a buy one, get one free every time. If I sin, there's a consequence. Why? Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord, whatever that means. Whatsoever a man or woman or a person sows, that shall they reap. God says, there is a law. I don't, and I love how you position that. I may not see what they reap or when they reap it or whatever else. But that whole idea is, I can look and say, you know what? They probably are going to, at some level, and I'm not vengeance, this isn't vengeance, they're going to pay a price. You look at infidelity. My goodness, I sit with that all day long with people and go, you talk about people paying the price. Mm-hmm. Men or women, women have been unfaithful too. That's mm-hmm. coming up, I think, in one of our podcasts to talk about that. The idea, they're paying the price there because on that side, there's all kinds of things. Will she ever mm-hmm. forgive me? Will I ever be, mm-hmm. whether it's a public issue or not, will I ever be able to beat this issue? How do I know I won't? There's its own torture. Every time I sin, that's why I like compassion. I'm going to suffer. So thanks for letting me. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's so good. And, and let me just say from an experiential standpoint, yeah. um, being sensitive to the fact that, you know, maybe uh, I, I always want to be sensitive to the fact that I want Art to be able to share his own story when it's right. his story to tell. Yeah, that's right. um, however, this little part um, I think is so helpful because of, of how it's helped me. Hmm. But being on the other side of this issue um, that we walk through in our marriage um, and, and so much deep hurt and deep pain, mm-hmm. um, I can tell you when... 
when I discovered that Art was having the affair, in my brain, what happened is I cannot believe this. I was so shocked and so stunned. And it felt as if I was the only one suffering here because it appeared as if he made this choice and he was happy to make that choice Mm. and that there was nothing but um, pleasure on his side of the street and nothing but suffering on my side of the street. Mm -hmm. In reality, now, as we've peeled back the layers in hours and hours and hours and hours of counseling and Bible study and sitting with people to help us peel these layers back, yes, there was pleasure on his side of the street, but it was a tortured pleasure. Mm -hmm. And what I always tried to make sure when I talk to um, uh, people who are married whose partners have had an affair, um, I always say, please don't start where I started. It, It took me so long to understand that his side of the street or her side of the street, whoever's having the affair, it's not 100% pleasure. It is a tiny bit of pleasure. Sin is enjoyable for a season. Yes. Mm. But it is a tortured pleasure. Yeah. That's a good word. I like that. um, And it is, uh, boy, the pleasure is short-lived. And um, and the sin, the weight of that sin is heavy. And um, I have said... It's much easier, and there's so much shame in that tortured pleasure. Of course. I would rather carry the weight of being betrayed and that hurt Mm. than the weight of that tortured pleasure full of shame. That is a weight that is at times almost unbearable. So I think peeling back the layers of our story experientially and being able to have conversations now with art, it wasn't all confetti and roses and wonder on in that secret right. stuff that was happening. You know, it, it just wasn't. But when you're the one that's betrayed, that's what it feels like. I'm suffering. Of course. They're... Yeah. Just having a grand yes. old time, and that is not the case. So here's what's really interesting. Um, when we read through Scripture and we look at this word forgiveness or the idea of forgiveness or forgiving in the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew word selah, um, salah, different ways you can pronounce it, but ultimately it's used over 50 times. Um, the vast majority, 33 of those times, are in the active tense. Only 13 or so are in the passive mm-hmm. tense. So ultimately what's, what's that that's saying, it's actually reflected in the New Testament overwhelmingly in the New Testament, forgiveness is talking about the offender, not necessarily the offended, which again rubs against us really bad because everything that we've just been saying is, well, I'm the offended party. Now, how am I supposed to process? But what mm. scripture is actually pointing us to is that there is onus and responsibility on the offender. And I think, Lisa, it's because of what you're saying. I think it's because there's this recognition that there is this built-in punishment that is so overwhelming, which is why the Lord is calling us to, if we're the offenders to pursue reconciliation and forgiveness. Um, and so it's really interesting in Ephesians 4.13, Paul says this, be kind, that's, and you could also translate it compassionate, uh, be kind to one 
one another. That phrase one another is a reciprocal pronoun. It means equality of relationship with each other. So be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Um, the the church in Ephesus was um, man disconnected. They were divisive. Um, there was uh, social issues, racial issues, ethnic issues, all of the issues that you could possibly have. And what Paul is calling them to is this forgiveness to one another, being kind, compassionate, kind hearted. We could because- use that in Washington these days. Oh, but anyhow, that's another show. Go ahead. <laughs> Lightning that- rod, right here. <laughs> now, Jim, you call that a mic drop? That means I stop. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, thank you for bringing that up, Joel. And you mentioned the word reconciliation, which can be a really painful word, Mm. especially as we're talking about forgiveness, because Mm -hmm. it can seem, again, completely unfair when in some situations reconciliation is possible and in others it is not. And so I, I want to make sure that um, that we address this quickly, and we can come, we can address it longer in a future episode here. But what I will often say to people is, our goal in moving forward, first and foremost, can't be reconciliation when the other person is not willing to participate in that reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people walk out of our lives and they are not willing to look back. They are not willing to come back. They are not willing to do the hard work that it takes for reconciliation to happen. And so mm-hmm. then people can feel quite stuck mm. and think, I can't move forward because reconciliation isn't possible. And I just want to say from my heart that to move forward In a situation where reconciliation is not possible, make your goal redemption with God. Amen. Redemption with God is a choice that you can make to receive His forgiveness and for you to walk through the process of forgiveness for that other person, whether or not they ever receive it. Really, go. I love what you've said to reconcile myself vertically. That's right. And get make sure there's some work to do for a while in counseling or discipleship or whatever. Before I really even put a lot of energy toward the horizontal, that's I mean, right. Say Can't go wrong. That's the that's the mandate. That's, yeah, it's, it is it's a it? prerequisite. Yeah, you yeah. Know, um, divine reconciliation. And you know, I think a lot of people may assume the book I just wrote. It's not supposed to be this way. They they may assume because now Art and I have uh, reconcile our relationship. Mm-hmm. But when I was writing my book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, I wrote that book from the vantage point of needing to be a woman who moved forward, not knowing when I was writing that book that it was even going to be possible for Art and I to reconcile. So the big question, but how? Like, how do I move forward if reconciliation isn't possible? That's why I wrote It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. Also, I want to mention that um, we did a previous Proverbs 31 podcast. Mm-hmm. We will link it below mm-hmm. um, called Six Practical Steps to Forgive. Yeah, it was excellent. Um, so I think, again, recording that podcast, um, I made the point of there's a big difference between redemption and reconciliation. Sometimes the two hold hands and sometimes, sometimes they, they don't. don't. Yeah. 
But to move forward, redemption is always possible with God, and it's not dependent on another person's willingness to reconcile. So I think that's really crucial. As we wrap up today, um, any last thoughts, Jim? And I do. As, as a theologian, I feel like the sense of uh, of responsibility here, uh, just to bring maybe a little bit of clarity. And this is sometimes hard, but I really do believe that the scriptures point us to the reality that forgiveness is mandatory. Hmm. This is not an if-then clause statement. Mm-hmm. Forgive because if we don't forgive, release, we're holding ourselves in bondage and in captivity. And so yeah. th- this is where um, I just think that it's important as we're creating these distinctions. We may go into this in more detail uh, in different podcasts uh, or different episodes, but to show uh, the difference between forgiveness, redemption, and reconciliation, that, that forgiveness for the believer um, is absolutely uh, a responsibility and mandatory. Wow, that's really good. Thank you for just taking that stake, putting it in the ground, and saying um, it that definitively because the scripture makes it clear. Any last thoughts? Yeah, the handshake with with Joel on that, and really with you too, Lisa, would be one of the words, and Joel and I have talked about this, of Athiami in Greek, to cancel the debt, Mm -hmm. to look at. It's not just so that we can lay a bunch, in your exercise I did with you, a bunch of three-by-five cards or wallow in it. It is to look at, I want to get... Like a credit card ledger, if someone cancels, you get $10,000 in debt, and they say, we're canceling that much debt. We'll know. This is what I spent it on. Yeah. To look at the impact for the reason of being able to help me be reconciled to God and to myself, to say, here's what it did to me. But there was unfaithfulness, lying, betraying, whatever it may be. The reason I want to look at the impact of that is to say, what did it do? And then that helps me understand more. This is what not just the fact, God, but the impact I want to also give to you. And you, Joel alluded to it. You know, the old line is that forgiveness set the prisoner free only mm. to realize the prisoner was me. Mm. It is so important unilaterally. Thank God he did mm. make it a command to go. God says, do you understand, son or daughter? It's about you. Mm-hmm. You will be trapped, as C.S. Lewis said in one of his letters, in the prison of yourself. That's right. So I want to forgive that God knew really what was best for me to Mm. forgive that other person. No more rent-free space in my mind. And may God bless you if you go in your life, however you're dealing with your sin or stuff, I'm going to no longer just be imprisoned with the pain of what you caused me. Mm. That's why I think it's so important. Well, as we wrap up today, I just want to say your heart is much too beautiful a place for Mm. bitterness, unforgiveness, and resentment to take root. And if you feel like some of those things have taken root and you want to know, okay, what do I do about this? Um, I would encourage you to do two things. Number one, listen to the podcast, Six Practical uh, Steps to Forgive. Again, we'll link it below. And, um, and maybe re-listen to this podcast. Take notes. Mm-hmm. Take it seriously. Um, look up some of the verses that Joel has given and consider connecting with a Christian counselor Mm -hmm. in your area. Sometimes it really is difficult to walk this road alone. So I want to make sure that you know that. Thank you for tuning in today. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Joel. Great discussion. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Therapy and Theology, How Do I Get Through This 
podcast series. Before we let you go, we wanted to point you to a few resources that could be helpful if you want to dig deeper into this subject. The first resource is Lisa Turkhurst's latest book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. Y'all, this book has been on the New York Times bestselling list for weeks and for a very good reason. Lisa is so real and raw with her struggle over the past three years and helps you learn to wrestle well between your fate and your feelings in whatever circumstance you're going through. You can purchase your copy today at p31bookstore.com. Now, before we let you go, we want to tell you about two other resources that we think might be helpful after listening to this episode. The first is the American Association of Christian Counselors. You can go to aacc.net if you're considering engaging with a counselor. And Mm -hmm. we really highly recommend it if you're wrestling through some of these really, really hard subjects. As you heard today, there's really, it's a fantastic resource to have a counselor walk alongside you. So we would really encourage you to do that. The second is our prayer wall at proverbs31.org. We'd love to encourage you to go there, scroll to the bottom of the page of proverbs31.org, and you'll see prayer requests. Mm -hmm. You can click that, you can add in your prayer request there. And we really would, our staff really does pray for Mm -hmm. you on a daily basis. So go there, we would be honored to pray for you. Well, thanks again for listening to today's episode. We pray it helps you know the truth of God's word and live that truth out because I promise that when you do, it really will change everything. We'll see you next week.